Hey, folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You've heard this before, but we're new and improved now, and so is the Dunlap Champions Club. It's back for another year. You know that. By now, if you have not been in there, I don't know what you've been doing, but we will remind you, this is always the best time to test drive. If you want to check it out, we have the spring game coming up April 18th, followed by a concert. Uh, good pricing to get in and see what you've been missing. A reserved chairback seat, access to indoor air-conditioned areas, always a good thing. All-inclusive food and soft drinks starting two hours before kickoff. Access, I love this part, to adult beverages and more. Funny that you would be the one to bring that up. Uh, the home schedule this year, obviously, when we get to the, the fall portion, uh, the, the meat of the actual football season, I guess I should say. Clemson and Florida are on the docket. Pitt coming to town for basically the first time since uh, since KJ played. Well, I guess shortly after you uh should we say retired? Finished. I, I wish finished. That's good. Finished. Anyway, uh, as far as the spring game goes, again, 5 o'clock kick on April 18th. And if you're a, a booster member already, a, a ticket holder in the Dunlap Champions Club, it's just 60 bucks to get in for that. Uh, if not, $80. But either way, uh, particularly if you're general public and have not sampled the Dunlap Champions Club, Champions Club it's the best way to do it. You Six, can schedule a private tour as well. So if you don't want to, if you want to buy after seeing, you can go in, take a good look, walk around, see what's going on. It's a big place, twenty thousand square feet of space, uh, can handle up to five hundred folks. If you've got other plans for other types of events that you want to schedule, it's worth the visit. Six four four eighteen thirty is the number to call. Now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Keith, I'm sort of getting used to this. I still, I never thought I'd say these words, but I actually miss being by your side. It made it a little easier to do this show. You doing all right? Well, don't don't get too excited. We're not going to be holding hands or anything. We're still going to maintain that social distancing. Yeah, but I, I would like to see your mug here in the not too distant future. That is for sure. Words we never thought we'd utter. That's the state of our times right now. We've got an interesting show coming up, as we always do. Jerry Kutz from the Osceola will join us as our Osceola Insider this week. And, Keith, we talked about this some last week and the week prior. But the more time goes on, the more we worry and fret that we may have to make adjustments to this football season, if there's a football season at all. And Jerry's got a really in-depth column that's well-reasoned, as he typically does about different scenarios. And right now, you can't make a firm decision because we don't know enough of the facts. You'll make the decision later on into the summer. But the reality is everybody is having to explore different scenarios, whether we want to or not. And some of those scenarios include not playing football in the fall, which doesn't make me feel very good. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Athletic directors and presidents of universities are, are used to making decisions. And in reality, uh, this decision, whether to go forward with the season, is going to be made by others, uh, that being specifically the uh, our governmental leaders as well as those that are. And so it's going to be more of a reactionary type of thing than a proactive type of thing. And, of course, our listeners and everyone else that uh, has uh, any uh, inkling towards sports have heard issues about what Major League Baseball will do what uh, the NFL is doing. Uh, the NBA has been a little bit quiet uh, recently, but uh, obviously they were on the forefront 
of uh, suspending slash uh, changing their season. So yeah, we're getting into the time frame. We still got a little bit of time, but we're getting into the time frame where um, that decision and the time frame for that decision uh, is in the er- er- on everybody's minds. And again, particularly, and Jerry did a wonderful job, I thought, in his column of talking about you know how football is the financial king and the financial driver of everything related to collegiate athletics and um and we're in we're in a holding pattern there's no question as a side note and we'll dig into the details on this with jerry this is probably overly optimistic and wishful thinking on my part but i'm i am optimistic or hopeful that one of the byproducts of all this is that maybe athletic directors and universities will be forced to look at the ridiculous spending and dollars that go into college athletics. And I'm mainly speaking of the arms race and coaches salaries and draw a line in the sand. Now I say that knowing full well that I don't know which first, which president would be the first one to go there, but we've all known and Jerry points this out in his article that the college athletic model has not been sustainable. And now we're, we're faced with it directly due to coronavirus. Do you think maybe this will lead to some adjustments in the way college athletics maneuvers going forward? Or do you think we'll get past this and we'll just wind up in the same exact spot and everybody will be so competitive they'll spend what they need to spend to get Coach A and Facility B? One of the things that's unique about us as Americans, Tommy, is we have very, very short memories about negative things. So while it may be a temporary pause, maybe a little bit of a reduction, but more of a pause in that quote-unquote arms race and the escalating salaries, no, I don't think it will be a permanent change. It will be simply a partial adjustment. And the other part, and and Jerry didn't go into this in great detail, and I don't know what the uh, ramifications are, but when it comes to coaches' salaries, those are contracts. And I don't know how you get out of paying your coach unless there's a provision in the contract that says that if X happens, Y can occur. I know this, uh, we don't need to get into it, but I know this whole legal concept of force majeure comes into play. And I'm not an attorney. I don't know how it plays out. But the reductions that you've seen so far in my reading of them have been almost voluntary or suggestive. So I don't know what will happen when the time comes to make a mandatory and you have a particular individual that doesn't want to abide by it. A topic for another day, but certainly a complicating factor. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting you don't pay out current contracts. It's more a matter of when you're looking at new contracts, do you have to say, let's give $75 million to Jimbo and let's give $5 million to Pickard and let's give $4 million to Norvell? But that's what the marketplace dictates, and unless everybody is going to agree to taper that a little bit, which then, frankly, you'd be accused of collusion. So I, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it'll slow down. I think we'll revert to right back where we are, which will leave us in the same on the same shaky ground should this come back around or some other pandemic in a few years. That's just picture you put well, it. Well, the, the, only, the only easy way to implement this is if the, the majority of the parties agree to it. So it would be much like uh, the NCAA's regulations, restrictions on what constitutes uh, a grant and aid, how many scholarship players can you have on a team, how many total can you dress for a game. You know, everybody, right or wrong, has quote-unquote voluntarily agreed to those things. 
So unless and until you had a, a salary pool or a salary cap, uh, much like you do on a, a maximum number of scholarships, I don't know how you'd be able to achieve that just given the way we operate here in the United States. But it certainly, uh, it certainly is an opportunity to effect some change. I just don't know how effective that change would be and whether you'd be able to pull it off. And the hurdle, the elephant in the room here is that you don't have one organizational body. I mean, we could say the NCAA, but you've got conferences that have their own agendas and their own power. Until there's a commissioner, as we've talked about, for college football or college athletics, and you're making decisions across the board, you really are, are not going to be able to, to move the ball forward to use a bad sports pun in this conversation. Anyway, Jerry Kutz will join us next. We're not going to focus just on this. Uh, it's kind of two different conversations here. One with Jerry about contingencies for the football season, but then with FSU's head strength and conditioning coach, who's not planning for contingencies so much as making sure that the team is ready to play on time, which is challenging when you can't get them all in the weight room right now. So Josh Storms will join us as well, and we'll have that conversation. I'll remind you that Madison Social and Township and their family of uh, folks at For the Table continue to make go orders available. You can call 850-894-6276 if you're in the Tallahassee area and you want to get uh, place an order, use Uber Eats or Grubhub to deliver. This Friday, Keith, this is right up our alley, uh, free fat fingers from Township. Uh, if we order any Crowler cocktail. So maybe you and I should uh, have a, a Zoom happy hour and we can consume said Crowler and fat fingers uh, as we get in the... If, if you get fat fingers, days. does that mean your belly doesn't grow and only your fingers grow? Is that how that works? I think if you read the fine print, that's not how it works, but we could give it a try. Anyway. So I, I shouldn't be worried about my ring size getting more or larger. I should worry about going to another... Uh, uh, another hole into my belt. That's what you're telling me. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's, that's Okay, understood. Understood. We'll take a break, get Jerry Kutz on the line, and continue with Front Row and Holes right after this. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you, and pleased to welcome a longtime friend, to the program from the Osceola. Jerry Kutz is our Osceola insider this week. Jerry, how are you? You staying safe eating these days? I'm doing great. Been wearing myself out on the honeydew list. I got to realize that I'm not a weekend warrior. This is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> well, I think that's wise counsel you should adhere to across all phases of your life, just as a general rule, Jerry. I haven't known you for a number of years, but unfortunately, you carved time into your busy schedule this week to write an article that none of us want to really deal with, which is all the contingencies to a football season, including maybe there won't be a football season. Uh, for those who haven't read your column on the Osceola, I encourage them to, I encourage our listeners to do so, but I, I'll, I'll just kind of stop there from a, and let you weigh in initially in terms of what, 
you know, what you were trying to encompass or lay out in this, in this column. And, and, and I imagine a good portion of it was informed by conversations you had with director of athletics, David Coburn. Well, yeah, I think I, I would say that, uh, some of it was, um, I'm going out on a limb on my own here to some extent, so I don't want to put words in David's mouth with this column, but what David had said me was that um, in a previous interview that there, the the powers to be in, in uh, collegiate athletics are exploring all, all options, and none of them are good. So, um, you know, if we start with that premise, then um, you start to explore various options, as, which is what I did in the column, and uh, tried to juxtaposition it against what's going on, you know, with COVID and uh, the COVID-19 uh, virus. And uh, so that, that I think that, that frames it properly. Uh, David did participate with me in some of it, but uh, most of it's an unknown. So there's a lot of speculation as to if this happens, then what? And I'll, I'll be brief here, but I mean, the, the whole thing to me is, is comes down to um, what Dr. Fauci keeps saying that the, the virus determines the timeline. And so the scoreboard he built for us is the number of new cases that we're seeing uh, each day. And uh, the quicker uh, we see that that curve bend south, the quicker we'll have football season. And so that that's kind of the premise of the column. Jerry, one of the things that we have to do in situations like this is Pardon me. We have to go worst case scenario and then backwards. Exactly. So the worst case scenario is there is no season, and I just can't get my hands around that. I can't imagine. I can't envision. And I'm sure the athletic directors are are saying the same thing. Wow. What if we don't have a season at all? Well, that's and there's two interesting studies that I tied in at the bottom of the column: surveys of athletic directors. Of, of this was a national survey of all athletic directors in power, power, you know, um, Division One, and the general feeling is it would be devastating if there was no football season. I think the majority of athletic directors didn't feel like they could fund an athletic budget without it, and uh, that certainly is the reality. David Coburn is facing is let's let's go back just a moment in time and when Coburn came in he had inherited a budget that was in deep red ink um, and it was quickly followed by the need to fire uh, a head coach and make a financial situation worse uh, with a payout to, to uh, Coach Taggart so you know Florida State is in a, is a difficult situation, as are really all athletic departments. There's probably only a handful of athletic departments that make a profit. Um, most, 
you know, most every athletic department depends on booster contributions to balance its budget. So we're in a situation where, you know, a worst case scenario would be a pandemic. And now we face that reality. So um, I think it's impossible not to have a football season. If we were to say there's no football season, then college athletics as we know it is over and we're, we've got a blank slate and we're, you know, designing something different for the future. So I, I don't think we, we can allow ourselves to get there. I think what we have to look at is other options. And, you know, I like to say, and it's an old saying, but I like it, that necessity is the mother of invention. And there's a lot of really smart people out there. Um, and uh, I, think, I think we're going to find the answer. I'm very optimistic. Um, but some of the things that you, I, I, per, I you know, I, I went into in the column is there's a lot of options. And uh, do you want to start going down the options? Sure. Fire away. Okay. Well, one of the ones I've seen, the, the popular one you see in the media, is to go ahead and have the games, but without fans in the stands. And there's some major fallacies in that. I think that's simple-minded thinking. Um, I think that's ignoring some uh, important things that we need to pay attention to. One of them is, let's start with the players themselves. Um, if you were going to play the game without fans, you still have to be careful about the health and well-being of the student-athlete. And um, without testing, you, you can't really put 125 guys in a locker room to practice, let alone play. Um, this is a sport where we go face mask to face mask. We're spitting on each other and breathing on each other. And uh, a lot of body fluid gets exchanged, as, as we know, in a football practice. Um, let alone in the locker room, um, in that he, he, you know, humid and hot space. So we've got to, first of all, be able to test our players and be sure they're, comp you know, capable of putting them out there without being positive. And I think by September, you know, the re you know, there's. We'll have testing that you can do a five-minute, you know, analysis and have a high degree of credibility. So I think that that obstacle can be overcome. Um, now let's get into the financial aspect of it. People seem to think that well, if we have television money, we're going to be okay. If the TV networks are paying us. At least we're bringing in some revenue. Well, here's here's the facts on that. There, football television revenue to Florida State is roughly twenty million dollars. That's about what we get out of the television for playing uh, our football games on TV. 
the amount of money in the budget that comes from tickets, booster contributions, concessions, all those kinds of things amounts to about $35 million uh, this coming year. That's about what FSU projects uh, for this coming year. If we were going to be sold out, that number could be as much as 40, 45 million. But based upon expected demand, you know, with a, a new head coach, um, 35 million is what we were expecting. So if you don't put fans in the stands, you lose $35 million. Um, on an athletic budget that's around 110 million, that's a big cut, you know. And in that survey that was done of all athletic directors, that is true for athletic departments across the country. There aren't very many that can take a 30% hit in their athletic budget and, and survive. So um, some pretty drastic changes would have to occur in an athletic budget to make that work. The first thing I looked at was, well, you'd save some expenses since you wouldn't have as much game day operation. And I was able to find out that that would be about a million and a half dollars a year in cost savings. Well, that's eyewash compared to 35 mil. So that's the real issue. If you try to play these games, say you could, play them in September or delayed until October, but still without fans in the stands, you're looking at drastic cuts in an athletic budget. And Jerry, not to be the naysayer, not to be the naysayer, but even if you could play those games and you did have people in the stands, you're going to have a percentage of your fan base that won't come Simply exactly. because of fear, and and I, you know, who who knows what that percentage is? Well, I would think it it's significant. I mean, I, I said in the column that if most people come, that infers some would not. And you don't if you get down to, you know, you don't have to lose too many to make. Uh, a significant dent in the budget. So, well, let me just jump ahead. Um, the jump ahead is what if you didn't play this season until March? I know that sounds crazy, and uh, I heard it for the first time the other day in a conversation I was having with a, a guy that's got a lot of uh, vision. And, you know, I thought about it, and why not? I mean, if if you thought that there could be a vaccine or a cure or that we could get back closer to normalcy, what's the rush to play it in the fall? I know it's crazy, but I think if you think about it a while, it, it starts to make more sense. And uh, But people have to take their tradition hat off and put on uh, their problem-solving hat. And uh, I think all options need to be on the table because, uh, you know, right now there's a lot of uncertainty. 
Jerry, let me let me jump think, in real, real go quick. Um, first of all, would you agree that if students are not back for the fall semester, you can't play football in the fall? Not really. Uh, tell me why, Tom. Why are you, what are your thoughts there? Well, I guess part of it is optics, but if we're in a position where you can't bring students back onto campus, are you somehow going to say, well, it's okay to bring all the student athletes back? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, that, that is another topic to, to consider. I mean, because to me, that would, I mean, if we're, and we don't know that, and for, uh, as we're speaking, Florida State still has its Session C scheduled for on campus, but just within the last week, University of South Florida and University of Florida canceled, not canceled, made the remainder of their summer courses online. So the earliest a student is coming back at UF and USF to campus is for the start of the fall semester. FSU still has a little bit of time to make that decision. Um, and then the thing, Gary, and I don't know if you have this, but given that as part of the backdrop, when do you see as, a, as sort of a drop-dead date when college athletics needs to make a decision on whether we start the season on time or later? Is that July 1st? Is it June 1st? I mean, I know they're looking at contingencies, but when do you have to actually put pen to paper and say, okay, September games are off and now we're starting October 1st, best case? I have asked those questions. And, Keith, you know the, the tradition back when you played – is Coach Bowden would send you guys home for part of the summer, right? Right. And then you'd come back in like July um, to start, you know, getting in shape for the start of August two-a-days, correct? Also correct. So, you know, traditionally, you want to get your guys back on campus and get them in shape before you go out and take on the business of full contact football practice where if you're not in shape, you got a better chance of having injury. So what's that time frame? You know, I was thinking a month, but uh, from what I'm hearing, it may not be a month. It may be that, you know, if, if they had the opportunity to go, they might go with only a couple of weeks or a week, you know, and, and just uh, make it work. So I think, Tom, to decide the timeline, you have to think, how many weeks do you need to get guys in shape and how many guys do you, and how many weeks do you need to practice? And the unknown there, we were doing an interview with Josh Storms, and the unknown there is that I mean, he can't predict it because when those players come back to campus, as was the case when Keith played, some will be in great shape and some won't. And you just don't know right now what the team's going to look like when they get back. And now that's just Florida State. You know, expand that across the country. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think if you were going to start in September, you'd need to know certainly by July 1st. Check the, uh, check the column out at the Osceola. We'll take a break right here, come back and, and welcome, welcome Coach Storms. He's got, you know, he's sort of the opposite, Jerry, in that we're talking about all these contingencies. He and the coaches have to proceed as if we're starting on time, and we'll get into that conversation 
uh, when we continue momentarily here. Yeah. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Back on Front Row Knowles, big thanks to Jerry Kutch from the Osceola for joining us. Uh, He didn't get a chance to mention, so I'll do so now. The Osceola currently has a 30-day free trial going on, so check it out if you want to read his column and sample the, the work that he and Bob Ferrante and Patrick Burnham and others do. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Try it out for 30 days at the Osceola. Shifting gears, we mentioned uh, earlier in the program that we were going to have FSU's head strength and conditioning coach join us, and that is Josh Storms. And I know that uh, you probably feel like you've been hit by a storm here because you can pre- prepare for a lot of things in coaching and in life. Uh, and then you just have to adjust. And I imagine adjusting on the fly is really what you and the rest of your strength coaches and the entire coaching staff are having to do right now, given there's no way that you could have scripted or prepared for the situation we're in at, at present. Yeah, it's definitely some uh, some uncharted uh, territory and some adversity that I don't think anybody expected. But, uh, you know, we're kind of in, in the mode right now trying to respond the best way we can to the situation and uh, putting together the best plan to try to keep all of our guys that are that are off campus right now uh, prepared and um, with as much, much uh, information as, as we can and try to do the very best job we can do until we uh, see this thing through. I've got a lot Coach, of questions. Most of your... Go ahead, Keith. Let me jump in, Tom. Coach, most of your kids are used to working out in, in what is a top-rate facility at Florida State, and now they're back home, and, and let's just be very, very very basic. Some of them don't have access to weights. How, how do you script to put together a program for them to continue to mature when they don't have access to the equipment they're used to, uh, to, to utilizing? You know, I'll say this. We're, we're pretty fortunate right now, and the majority of our guys um, still have access to a place to train. Um, we got a pretty good number that still have access to a fully outfitted uh, gym with most of the things that they're accustomed to using. Um, we do have a small percentage of our guys that is in the situation where they don't have anything. Um, and we kind of knew that going into the situation that we kind of get a little bit of uh, kind of all over the board of what guys had access to. You know, we know some guys are in the gym, some guys got nothing. And then you got some guys that are somewhere in between where, you know, they got, you know, some dumbbells in their garage and a, a couple uh odds and ends pieces of equipment to work with and they have bands or whatever it may be. So kind of what we did as a staff is we kind of have multiple, multiple programs going. They're kind of individually tailored to those guys situations, you know? So if a guy is still, you know, if you're, uh, if you're James and you're down there and you have access to, to your high school gym and you got everything you know, at your fingertips you need, then, you know, he's still on our, you know, uh, you know, uh, barbell based plan that we, you know, similar to what we give those guys and they're off campus, um, stays true to kind of our, our pillars of training, uh, but with some basics in it that you should be able to accomplish any place that you have uh, standard basic training equipment. Um, you know, after that, we got a plan put together for guys that have nothing but body, access to body weight stuff. You know, you can kind of see uh, Coach Dowdy on Twitter uh, demoing a lot of that stuff throughout the week. Uh, for those guys to follow, giving them some, some options and flexibility and, and information in their training. 
Um, and then with that, we got guys in between. And so then with those guys, we're kind of, uh, you know, if they have bands, we have a, a, a band workout that Coach Coleman takes care of for us. And then everything in between. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of communication, a lot of individualization right now, just making sure all those guys can uh, maximize the, the situation that, that they're in right now. How do you replicate the, um, and I'm going to use the term peer pressure, I guess the better term would be working and pushing a teammate, but how do you replicate you know, the age old thing that if I'm working out by myself, I may not work out as strenuously I would if I've got my teammates around me. How are y'all addressing that issue? Yeah, well, and that's one of the hard things right now, because at the end of the day, everything they're doing is voluntary um, due to the, to the way the rules are set up during this period of time. Um, you know, so a lot, of, a lot of it comes from, you know, our guys are naturally competitive guys and, you know, they communicate with each other. They have guys that, are, that they're working out with currently, and maybe it's not in our, our normal, uh, our normal setting and, and climate of our, of our program, but, but they know that their teammates are getting after it. And, you know, that's where the, the whole social media thing comes into play. And those guys see what, what, you know, not just their teammates are doing, but they see, you know, guys, they know that play the place, they see what they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's of our mindset that, that it's our job to outwork those guys. And, uh, uh, so that's where you kind of have to fall back on the the culture that, that we've tried to instill. Even, you know, even though we haven't been here at Florida State very long, you know, we 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 had a, a very strong winter program, starting to lay down the foundation that that we're still trying to build on right now. Coach, I see a good opportunity for us. You and I need to start a new business. Body by Zoom. <laughs> you see a lot of places. It seems to me that's what it's uh, that's what it's turning into is uh. Uh, you know, I've seen everything from, you know, guys building their own squat racks to things I've seen other schools do that look like Richard Simmons running aerobics classes on Zoom. So I've seen a little bit of everything. Coach, let me jump in here. And I know you had a chance to listen to the tail end of our previous conversation. And it is a little bit of a dichotomy because on the one hand, athletics directors and college athletics, TV networks, they, they have to plan for every contingency out there. But you have to proceed as if we're going to report on time and players need to be in shape on time. I'm wondering how you balance that and also with the fact that you've only known the Florida State players for the last few months as compared to if you were still at Memphis or Arizona State where you had a longer standing relationship. How difficult has that made your role, those, those couple of variables I just threw in there? You know, right now, as far as, you know, planning for the future, you know, we're kind of in an in a ever-changing situation. You know, all of us are. And so kind of what we've done, you, know, you can't plan for the unknown. But what we, can, what we can do is look at our calendar and kind of look at the, uh, the, the watershed dates that are coming up. You know, when, when does summer school start? When do we originally plan to start our summer program? When does the second session of summer school start? Those types of things. And, and basically what we're doing right now is I'm, I'm planning for the, the next earliest available date. So if we were to get an all call by, you know, an, an all good call by then that we would have a plan and we'd be ready to go. Uh, knowing full well that if that, that, if that date comes and goes and we're still, you know, in the same situation we're in now that I'm going to crumple those plans up, throw them in the trash, start working on the next date. Um, so that way, eventually when we do get that call that, that we have a, we have a plan in place and we're, we're going to be ready to go as soon as we can get all of our guys back here on campus. Um, you know, and as, as this deal first came down, you know, I spent a lot of time in my head going back and forth, you know, what's, what's what's better what's worse what's more or less advantageous right now is it being new at a program where you haven't had the years and the time to to build your culture um or is it being at a place where you have a have that built and you have guys have been in your program for a lot of time 
Um, and there's, there's pluses and minuses to both, but at the end of the day, we're, you know, we, we're not in a situation to choose our situation. Our situation is what it is. And, and to me, I think one of our largest advantages we have right now here at Florida state is, is that we are new. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, we're coming off of a winter program where we saw a huge progress, uh, you know, not just physically, but just in the, the climate of the program. And right now, from a motivational standpoint, we got a group of players that's very eager, I believe, for more of that. Um, they've gotten a taste for what, what this program can, can give to them if they're putting the work in. And I think that's a, a very powerful motivator right now to, to not let that slip away and to, to keep, you know, to stay thirsty for more of that. And um, I think that's a real powerful uh, driving force behind our guys staying consistent right now and uh, taking care of their business, both academically and physically. Coach, you heard us talking on the tail end of that conversation with Jerry. I'll just ask the pointed question. Have you thought through, do you have an answer as to if Florida State's going to play on this date, how many days or weeks do you need the kids under your care to get them ready for that date in order to play football? You know, that's a, that's a, a question that's getting put out there a lot lately. Um, and, and ultimately, um, I'm kind of in the belief that regardless of what my belief is on that, that eventually a date's going to get uh, put out there that we're going to have to work with. And it, it's, it's our job to be, you know, uh, skilled craftsmen in our roles and maximize whatever time that we're given, I, whether that be 10, eight, six, four, two weeks, whatever we're given, you know, it's, it'll be, it'll be our job to have the, the plan in place to, that will best uh, set our guys up to, to return to training in a healthy manner to return to playing football uh, and try to be the most prepared as possible when we get there. Um, ultimately, it's not going to be, you know, my choice nor our choice when, when that date happens, so we're just be ready to go when the, when the time comes. Coach, I don't want to oversimplify this, but we would still be in spring practice right now if this was the norm. Yes, sir. I'm making an assumption now, but if you're in spring practice, then it's a time where maybe you're not in the weight room or lifting as heavy as you would at other points of the year. So really the question is, as you look at May, June, July, are, are there any months that are more critical than others in the typical development or off-season weightlifting uh, or, or conditioning program that well, the players I Kind of what we're looking at, you know, right now in spring ball, uh, typically where our schedule would set up is we'd practice on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Uh, we'd still be uh, three big training sessions during the week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, ultimately, our goal from a developmental standpoint in our program, it, it, it's our job, our plan isn't set up to be uh, game ready for spring ball. You know, spring ball is still a, a developmental building phase of the year. Um, and we will stay from a training sample. We'll stay pretty heavy during spring. We'll work all back up to about 90% during spring ball. Um, you know, with that, there's some different considerations are taken in the training with, uh, you know, the volume we, we, we operate at and some other things to make sure guys can still, you know, function well and fly around to practice. But from a, uh, lifting standpoint, you know, we're, we got to stay training heavy because ultimately what we're looking at is not just the block of spring ball. We're looking at how this will transition into the month of May, how the month of May will transition into our summer program starting in June. So, you know, each, each block of the training year will, will, you know, play off of the previous block and then also transition and progress into the next block of training. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, our most important time of the year, you know, is the summer program when it comes to, you know, getting a little more specific in our preparation, getting those guys ready to play our style of football. Um, 
you know, starting to, you know, work on the, the adaptation from, from general preparation to more specific preparation as we get closer to, closer to camp and closer to time to play. Um, and, you know, right now, kind of all of our uh, traditional models that we would, we would operate with are kind of, kind of in a holding pattern, you know, waiting to see what this, what this is going to look like from a, a time standpoint. Coach, let me widen it a little bit. And I know, you know, so much is unknown, and I appreciate your candid answers. And for those just tuning in, we're talking with Josh Storms, the strength and conditioning coach for FSU. Take us back to when you first met Coach Norvell and sort of the relationship you've developed because you've been together eight or nine years. I mean, did you just know right away you're kind of cut from the same cloth? And because obviously there's a chemistry there, and there's a reason that you left where you were to, to follow him here to Florida State. Yeah, you know, we met in uh, 2012 when Coach Graham, Coach Graham's staff came to Arizona State. Um, you know, uh, knew knew pretty early on. You know, just from the the uh, you know core tenets that that program was built around, and then seeing how Coach Norvell operated within that, and just the the, the way he coached his guys and his passion for preparing to play the game, and you know the care he took not just in the X's and O's of football, but in those guys off the field and in their, their, their personal development, their academic development, and then also in their, in their, the, in their physical development, you know, I knew that we, you know, were kind of, uh, you know, moral compasses were both pointing the same direction in a lot of those areas. And, uh, you know, we'd had a lot of conversations and just, the, you know, the way things are and the way things should be and the, the, you know, how to go about things. And I think there's just a, a general level of, of you know, unsaid trust that was, it was built, you know, relatively early on there. And, uh, you know, we we're fortunate to have some fortunate to have some good success there that opened up some opportunities for for him to advance and move on, which also in turn kind of opened up opportunities for me to you know advance and move on as well. Um, you know, my opinion, I wouldn't want to work for any other head football coach in the country. Coach, isn't it amazing with all the technological advances and the things from a technique standpoint we've changed over the last thirty or forty years? It, it's still a people business, isn't it? It's uh, getting the players to trust you. It's getting the coaching staff to trust each other. And it's, it's the building of that culture. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, I, I say it all the time. You know, the, the X's and O's of football are great and the X's and O's of training are great. But the, at the end of the day, if it's not going to be relationship-based, it's not going to work. It's not going to have sustainable success or maybe even success in the first place if it's, if it's not building the foundation of relationships. And, uh, you know, that's one thing this time right now has allowed us to do is you know, with, with training being voluntary, you know, we are still reaching out to our guys on a regular basis throughout the week and touching base with these guys. But, you know, it's kind of an opportunity to talk about a little more than just football, you know, or just training, you know. Uh, and so, you know, as, as much as we would rather all be together every day and have all our family under one roof, you know, this time it has given us some, you know, different different ways of, of communicating with guys and, and, and about some maybe different subject matter than we typically would on a day-to-day basis when you're caught up in the in the machine of, of preparing you know, to be a, a championship football program. And so, you know, we're kind of trying to, you know, it's one of the things that may be a silver lining in all of this is, you know, you're starting to develop some relationships with guys maybe you didn't have as good of a, or as deep of a relationship with before. And also it's opportunity for us to display as a staff of, the, of how much we do care about these guys and, and how important their uh, personal success is to us. And, you know, it's our job to help them get there. And so we've been able to do by going about things in a different way. There has been some, some positives, I think that, that have come along with this that will will pay off in the future. And coach, we'll let you get going after this. What has excited you from the moment you knew that coach Norvell was here at FSU or that you had an opportunity to come to Florida state, just in terms of being at a place like Florida state. And I realize you've been at Arizona state and you've been places with tradition and you helped Memphis climb to the top, but, uh, you know, just kind of your thoughts as, as you've – and it's been an atypical first few months, but but you've had a chance to settle in at Florida State and 
and see the tradition and learn a little bit more about the program. Yeah, I, I mean, up front, I mean, this is, I mean, Florida State is a, is a destination place in college football. Um, you know, and every, every school has a certain level of tradition, but, you know, we're talking about a program here at Florida State that has, you know, one of the all-time traditions in college football, you know, and, and to, to go to a place that's such a uh, uh, sought-after, short-list place to be is, is, is nothing, nothing, nothing short of phenomenal. You know, a program that I grew up watching – you know, you know, when I was in high school in the nineties, you know, of, of, of what this program was at this time and the way it was viewed and, and the way that that's kind of stuck over the years. And, you know, suddenly you find yourself a kid that grew up in South Dakota and, you know, you, you put that, uh, put that, you know, shirt on every day with that seminal logo. It's just, a uh, you know, life takes you on, on, uh, strange and unexpected paths and, uh, you know, the, the, the excitement of being here and, you know, being able to, not just be a part of that tradition, but to be charged with uh, the job of, of bringing this program back to the level where, where it deserves to be, where it should be, where, where it can be capable of being is, is a really, really exciting task. You know, I think one of the biggest things for me was, uh, you know, the, the mat drills is something that we've done, you know, uh, you know, everybody kind of has their own version of mat drills, but the, the version we've used since 2012, Coach Graham, you know, came directly here from, Coach Bowden and Coach Andrews, and you know we always stayed pretty pretty true to the the way that was set up and how it was uh, orchestrated and the things that we were were pushing to accomplish with that program. And uh, to be able to come back here and, and re-implement that here um, is, was was not just exciting to be able to do that, but then probably our third or fourth session of it this winter, you know, looking over and you know seeing Coach Andrews out there with his arms arms crossed, observing what's going on, just like that's a, a you know, no, no pressure in that situation, right? You have, you have the, the godfather that watching over your shoulder, you know, trying to watch you, you know, recreate what they, what they put in place here. And, you know, that, that, that stuff's come up for all of us, and that's, that's exciting. I mean, there's an extremely special but place. Thanks for, thanks for ruining my next meal, Coach. Matt drills. Oh, gosh, there goes my appetite. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just going to say, Coach, that, uh, yeah, we're going to end it there because Keith starts feeling a little queasy when Matt Drills comes up as a step. We appreciate <laughs> what you're doing. Uh, you know, you've been welcome to Tallahassee by plenty, so we'll welcome you as well. At some point, uh, we'll return to normal, or maybe this is the new normal, but either way, we'll make it through, and uh, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. So thanks and good luck. Sounds good. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Coach. Josh, Josh yep, Storm, the strength and conditioning coach at Florida State. I mean uh, – Keith, it's just like every business. We can all uh, we can all study our major and we can read books on on how to deal with the day to day. But uh, there's not chapters on this so much. So we're uh, we're figuring it out as we go. As we said back in Wildwood, we're plowing new dirt. That means the crop will be better. And that is an expression that I've never uttered. But I'll let that sink in with our listeners, and we'll come back and finish up front row notes right after this. The rain was unstoppable. It was always Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Shout out to everybody that uh, has participated today via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. 
KJ, Jerry Kutz uh, always has great perspective. And Coach Josh Storms, you and I interacted with him a little bit when they had a media luncheon just before spring practice. But really, we're still getting to new, know the new coaches as well. But that was an impressive conversation, really two, two great conversations to react to. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, just one prior conversation with Coach Storms, and what, what an impressive guy. And, you know, you ask him, and my, my question particularly about how much time do you need, th- that's what a good lieutenant does. A good lieutenant will tell you, well, well, give me the parameters, give me the objective, and I'll devise the way to achieve the objective. And I'm sorry, that was just very impressive to me. He could have had an answer, said, I need, I need eight weeks. I can't accept anything less than eight weeks to get these kids ready. But he knows that his job is to react to the situation. And I, I thought his answer was spot on. I was very impressed with that. I think an example that pertains to that, when the schedule comes out every year, Keith, people complain like this year if the schedule stays as is that Florida State has a short week because of, what is it, a Friday night game? Or maybe it's Thursday night. I don't even remember against Syracuse. Man, that seems so long ago. But so human – yeah, you complain that you don't have a full week. Well, if the coaches take that attitude, all that does is then permeate the players that, hey, we're not getting a fair shake because we don't have a full week. And the same thing applies here. If Coach Storms conveys to his kids, the athletes, they need three weeks instead of two and a half, well, that's in the back of the player's mind. So you have to adapt to what you have and just move forward with it. Agreed. And uh, obviously, if you know – Coach Norvell, you know that his staff will mimic his ability. And I'm telling you, I, I don't have this confirmed, but anybody that's been around him, and I coach, of course, I hope our listeners will take advantage of what Jerry and the Altillo is doing and supporting the boosters with those video uh, conferences with the coaches. Uh, they're, they're extremely enlightening. And in lieu of the fact that we don't have the normal booster uh, spring and the booster tour, uh, having the opportunity to hear the, the segment coaches and Coach Norvell uh, in that video format, I, you know, hats off to the boosters for doing that. But my point is, you know that 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 Mike has just about every day, if not every hour of every day, scripted. But yet, you can hear from those that work for him that the ability to be uh, adaptable uh, is also a trait that you have to have because you don't know what's going to happen. Things can change, and as a result, you've got to be able to react to them. And again, repeating myself, I thought. Uh, I thought Coach Storm's uh, answers to those questions were spot on. Minutes to finish up, Jerry. Before we do so, I want to thank the fine folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. A couple of locations to choose from, 3269 Crawfordville Highway, also 1110 Stuckey Avenue in Tallahassee. You can call them at 580-1200. Take care of all your power tool and other needs. There's been a big honeydew list for all of us. Jerry referenced it, we know. I actually painted last weekend, Keith, if you can believe that, the whole kitchen and living room. And it looks better than it did. So credit my wife for that. She, she did the hard part. But anyway, I want to go back to uh, Jerry's, Jerry's points. What, what resonates about that column and the fact that we're in this contingency planning stage for football season? Well, uh, the biggest thing that jumps out at me from the financial perspective is that ratio of television to ticket sales and boosters money. Uh, the 20 million generated by uh, the networks versus, in Florida State's case, the 35 million that is generated by ticket sales and booster contributions. And back to my point, even if you were to begin the season on time, you know, there's going to be a 
percentage of your population that right, wrong, or indifferent is going to choose not to participate in gatherings uh, as large as would be in Doak Campbell Stadium. How does that impact on things? I've heard people talk about, well, you know, the big boosters will go ahead and give their money even if the games aren't being played and even if they're not buying the tickets. Well, part of that may be true, but there are a whole bunch of people in Doak Campbell Stadium that don't make uh, $6,000, $12,000, $25,000 contributions to the boosters. And if those folks are either unemployed or have been laid off and recently called back, then not only are they not going to be buying season tickets, they're not going to be contributing to the boosters in order to get the season tickets. And I just see that whole scenario as being difficult. So I agree with Jerry from the standpoint that playing the games without people in the stands has got to be your last resort. I think moving the season to March is a great idea. And, and, and we, Kathy and my wife and I talk all the time about ideas and things. And we have a saying that, you know, bad ideas lead to good ideas. So there are no terrible ones out there. I don't know if March is the right time. I don't know if starting in November is the right time or something in between. But the point being that given the situation, I think what needs to be talked about the most and explored until it can be closed off is how do we play games with people in the stands and find a way to try to make that work? And I think, and we'll need to finish up in a couple of minutes. So related to the 35 million, there will be some number of people who would still give, you know, to boosters even without a season. So maybe the number's not 35, but the point remains the same. It's a pretty big number. And also Jerry referenced 20 million on the TV side when the ACC did its distribution last year, it was 27 or 28 million, but that included reimbursement for travel to tournaments and bowls and different things. So maybe 20 mil is the, the actual TV number. The other number we talk about is that, and you and I both work with IMG Learfield, IMG Learfield or Learfield IMG also pays FSU X amount that if you started playing games again, there'd be broadcasts. And I would assume that Learfield IMG would then have to start making payments. So, but, but all that said, and this goes back to your fan point, Keith, I think this is where everybody needs to get creative. You mentioned earlier in the show that marketing and promotion dollars get cut. Well, FSU controls inventory that the TV networks don't own per se, or that they could get the rights to. And I'm talking about, you might have to set up some pay-per-view for the pregame locker room talk or the halftime, or this is what the postgame looks like, or something that would cater to a fan that's not going to drive to go to Dope Campbell Stadium because they don't want to be around other fans but is passionate about the program and would spend some dollars for exclusive access, whatever that looks like. And maybe boosters ties it to booster memberships. But I think this is where you have to get outside of the box. And what I just said may be a bad idea, Keith, but there's some good ideas that could spring from that. That back to my mine and Kathy's expression, bad ideas lead to good ideas. So they need to be considered. They need to be talked about. And I think it, it, I think we're, from one standpoint, Tommy, what I'm encouraged by is, and Jerry mentioned it, we have got to let go, at least for this school year, if you will, and maybe for two school years, we've got to let go of our traditions. And we've got to find ways, as you mentioned, to be creative. Three years, five years, 10 years from now, hopefully we'll be back to normal. But in the interim, we've got to be creative and we can't be stuck in the mud and, and, you know, fall back on, well, we've never done it that way before uh, because that won't work. 
I'm just continuing to think out loud, Keith. I know you wouldn't want to do this in real time because you wouldn't want the opponent to know your plays. But if you think about NASCAR and how you can listen to the pit crews, I mean, how about if you could listen to the conversation the coaches are having in the in the box upstairs? I mean, there's there's things that could be monetized. You have to be willing to roll the dice, but you know, unprecedented times, unprecedented action, and I think that's what we're staring in the face right here. Well, I'll tell you a, a real old story that nobody probably has ever heard, but second Orange Bowl, 1981 Orange Bowl after the 1980 season, uh, a couple of our defensive players were mic'd by NBC, and they had to use a 15-second delay because those two players were very vocal. That's the reason they were picked to be mic'd. And some of the things you really didn't want going out on the airways. So I'm not worried about the real-time stuff. We'll put a delay on it, if you understand the pun that's intended there, and uh, we could go forward with it. So, again, no bad ideas. Bad ideas lead to good ideas. KJ, we are out of time. I've got an idea. Let's do this show again next week. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan, brother. Talk to you then. Stay safe. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. We don't need no thoughts control.